0: Hey, welcome to Bible study live with Matt. I'm Matt and we're going to study the Bible live today. It's Tuesday, August 9th, 2022 and today I want to visit a story that's probably going to be familiar to folks who've maybe grown up in church, read the Bible a lot and it's actually probably going to be a familiar story to people who don't go to church and didn't grow up in church. We've all heard the David and Goliath story, and we've heard it framed as, you know, um, things about like, you know, conquering your giants and the things that are in front of you, and it is a good story for that. Now, the truth is, this is a real story about a real group of people and real things that took place, but what can we learn from this story that we can apply to our lives today? I mean, that's really... Part of why we read the scriptures, right, is we look at these stories and these collective experiences that people have had throughout time, and we say, now, what can I learn from that story to apply to my life today? The story about David and Goliath isn't about your life or my life, but there are lessons from the story about David and Goliath that we can apply to our life. And I want to share with you a couple things today uh, in the scriptures we're going to look at first samuel 17 and we're going to look at first samuel 16 and i want to walk you through these stories and um, and i hope that it'll reveal some things to you that maybe will give you some encouragement for your day and your week in your life so let's start actually we're going to start with first samuel 17 and then we're going to go backwards because it's important i think to look at the story that way we hear you know about this little boy who slays a giant and all this stuff but Let's look at some text in context, and uh, let's dig into that together. So, by the way, today I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Again, if you're reading from the NLT, NIV, and the Message, the NASB, the Amplified Bible, listen, they're all telling the same story. King James, ESV, um, they're just uh, just phrased a little differently, but they all are telling the same story. So whichever version you're reading from is good. And By the way, one last thing, I try and remember to say this every time, listen, this is about creating conversation without condemnation, right? This is about getting, I wrestle with the Bible, uh, and I'm doing it publicly to encourage you to realize it's okay to wrestle with God's word. And we're not always going to agree, but we're not going to argue. Uh, this is how iron sharpens iron. We wrestle through stuff. Uh, so here we go. So we're going to pick up here at 1 Samuel 17. And this is where Goliath is coming to, he's challenging the Israelites. got the Philistine army there. And it says, the Philistines now mustered their army for battle and camped between Soko and Judah and Azekah and Ephes Damim. I'm sure I slaughtered all those names. Saul countered by gathering his Israelite troops near the valley of Elah. So the Philistines and Israelites faced each other on opposite hills with the valley between them. Then Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet tall. He wore a bronze helmet, and his bronze coat of mail weighed 125 pounds. Wow, can you imagine 125 pounds of chainmail on you? That's insane. He also wore bronze-leg armor, and he carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder. The shaft of his spear was as heavy and thick as a weaver's beam, tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. His armor-bearer walked ahead of him, carrying a shield. Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across to the Israelites. Why are you all coming out to fight? He called. I am the Philistine champion, but you are only the servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. When Saul and the Israelites heard, heard this they were terrified and deeply shaken let's stop for a minute right there so goliath came out saying look we're all lined up to fight but the reality is <laughs> most of you aren't fighters you're not strong enough to do this and something that was we'll, we'll say i, I don't want to use the word commonplace but something that like we've seen represented movie history right or, or different portrayals of war back in those days is, is when when military leaders would look and go, hey, there's no reason for everybody to die here. Pick the strongest person from your camp. We'll pick the strongest from ours and let them battle it out. Because at the end of the day, they're the strongest anyway, right? They're going to be the last last men standing is the idea. So they're like, rather than going through everyone else and causing so much loss of life, let's take the top two, put them out in the field, and whoever wins, that's the victory, period right? Like, boom. So Goliath is calling out Saul. Now, here's the thing that's very important to understand. Saul was anointed by God, right? There should have been no fear of some army coming in because, you know, there should have been the trust and belief that God was going to provide and protect them. That even if the Philistines came in, that that if Saul had gone and, and prayed and said, God, what do you want us to do? God, what do you want me to do? That that Saul should have known God was going to keep them protected and safe. But look what happened. It says, man, they were, they were afraid. It says when Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. Have you ever felt scared of the situation in front of you? I know I have. And, and I want to point out like, just because we know God's got our back, just because we know God's with us, that doesn't mean we don't have moments of uncertainty and fear. It happens. We get scared. We get nervous. We come on. This is real life. Like there, sometimes we're just like, man, I'm a little bit frightened of what's happening here. Right. And that's the situation that's taking place. They were scared, but let's see what else happens. So it says, Jesse sends David to Saul's camp, little header, which by the way, is not in the original manuscripts. It's just to give us a, a, a framework of what's about to happen. So it says, Now David This was the son of a man named Jesse, an Ephrathite from Bethlehem in the land of Judah. Jesse was an old man at the time, and he had eight sons. Jesse's three oldest, Eliab, Abinadab, and Shemaiah, had already joined Saul's army to fight the Philistines. David was the youngest son. David's three oldest brothers stayed with Saul's army, but David went back and forth so he could help his father with the sheep in Bethlehem. Right? He was a shepherd. For 40, or 40 days, every morning and evening, the Philistine champions strutted in front of the Israelite army. One day, Jesse said to David, take this basket of roasted grain and these 10 loaves of bread and carry them quickly to your brothers and give these 10 cuts of cheese to their captain. See how your brothers are getting along and bring back a report on how they're doing. David's brothers were with Saul in the Israelite army at the Valley of Elah. Fighting against the Philistines. So David left the sheep with another shepherd and he set out early the next morning with the gifts as Jesse directed him, his dad, Jesse. He arrived at the camp just as the Israelite army was leaving for the battlefield with shouts and cries. Soon the Israelite and Philistine forces stood facing each other, army against army. David left his things with the keeper of supplies and hurried out to the ranks to greet his brothers. As he was walking to them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Goth, came out from. The Philistine ranks. Then David heard him shout his usual taunt to the army of Israel. As soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. Have you seen the giant? The men asked. He comes out each day to defy Israel. The king has offered a huge reward to anyone who kills him. He'll give that man one of his daughters for a wife, and the man's entire family will be exempted from paying taxes." This is interesting because a king typically would fight. <laughs> a king wasn't like a king might have been afraid, but a king would show courage. King Saul here is going, "Hey, um, ooh, man, I'll give you anything you want if you go fight him." It's interesting. He didn't want to fight his own battle, but I digress. It says David asked the soldier standing nearby, "What will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending the defiance of Israel?" Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he's allowed to defy the armies of the living God? This is an important thing. Because David's like, who is this guy that he's allowed to defy the armies of the living God? Which, what is David ultimately saying here? Who's this guy that is defying God? Like, nobody can do that. To David, he's like scratching his head like, Who's got the nerve to defy the creator of all life? Nobody, nobody, nobody should be doing that. Who is this guy? Who does he think he is? Well, everyone else is running in fear because of how big Goliath is. David's going, who's this guy think he is? I love the courage of this kid. But continues. Verse 27 says, And these men gave David the same reply. They said, that's the reward for killing him. But when David's oldest brother, Eliab, David talking to the men. He was angry. What are you doing around here anyway? He demanded. What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? I know about your pride and deceit. You just want to see the battle. What have I done now? David replied. I was only asking a question. He walked over to some others and asked them the same thing and received the same answer. Then David's question was reported to King Saul and the king sent for him. Now, I want to show you something here because here's David going man like who's this guy think he is and his brother Eliab is like oh you just want to come see the fight basically he's like listen you spoiled little brat you shouldn't be here now there's a reason that Eliab was furious with David and it's because when um <laughs> when David was chosen to be the next king to be the su- successor of Saul and uh Eliab wasn't, and Eliab's the older brother. Now, in 1 Samuel 16, we see this, okay? It says, now the Lord said to Samuel, okay, he was speaking to Samuel, he said, you've mourned long enough for Saul, I've rejected him as king of Israel. So God has already, because of the choices Saul has made and who he's become, God saw him no longer fit to be the king of Israel. So he said to Samuel, listen, suck it up, buttercup. It's time to go find a new king. Stop, stop being in mourning. He said, fill your flask with olive oil. Go to Bethlehem. Find a man named Jesse who lives there, for I've selected one of his sons to be my king. But Samuel said, how can I do that? If Saul hears about it, he'll kill me. God doesn't even acknowledge it. He says, take a heifer with you and say, that you've come to make a sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I'll show you which of his sons to anoint for me." So Samuel did as the Lord instructed. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town came trembling to meet him. What's wrong, they asked. Do you come in peace? See, now Samuel coming as a prophet of the Lord, like, or they're going like, oh, 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 why are you here? And Samuel said, yeah, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Purify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Samuel performed the purification right. For Jesse and his sons and invited them to sacrifice too. When they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. Now, Eliab, the bigger, older, stronger brother. When Samuel saw him, he's like, this is the guy. This is the guy that God wants. This is the one, right? So remember, that's what Samuel thought too. This is the same brother that said to David, what are you doing? You just want to be here and watch the fight. Why aren't you with your cuny sheep that you're supposed to be with but the Lord said to Samuel don't judge by his appearance or height for I have rejected him the Lord doesn't see things the way you see them people judge by outward appearance but the Lord looks at the heart man didn't we just see people judging by outward appearance didn't we just see people looking at Goliath nine foot tall and say who could stand against him didn't we see Saul oh no wonder God rejected him Saul didn't believe that God could be capable of protecting Israel did he he saw a nine-foot Philistine and went, we're done for. We're done. Somebody, please, somebody go fight him, right? And it's interesting because Samuel had taken on those characteristics it would appear too, right? He saw Eliab, the big, strong one, and common sense would tell him he's big and strong. He's the guy. But God said, I don't see things the way you do. How many times do we look at ourselves and say, I can't do this? I'm not strong enough to do this. I can't make it through this day. I can't overcome this challenge. How many times have you felt like that in your life? How many times have I felt like that in my life? How many times have we looked at a situation and thought it's too big for me to handle? But God wants you to know he doesn't see things the way that you and I see. If God has called you to something, if God has put something before you, if God has, has called you to something challenging and scary, it's because God knows you can handle it. Because you don't have to handle it alone, right? We, we're we handling it with God because God's handling it with us. So he continues. It says, here's the deal. It says, then Jesse told his son, Abinadab, to stand forward and, and, and walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, this is not the one the Lord has chosen. Next, Jesse summons Shimea. But Samuel said, neither is this one the one the Lord has chosen. The same way all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. Oh, wait, but wait, Jesse didn't just have seven, he had eight. It says, but Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Then Samuel asked, are these all the sons you have? They're still the youngest, Jesse replied. But he's out in the fields watching the sheep and goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes, and the Lord said, This is the one Anoint him." <laughs> so as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with oil, and the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon david from that day on then samuel returned to ramah so here we go right now we see samuel came he saw the big strong brothers and all of them all seven god said not the one not the one not the one and then Jesse goes I oh, my my youngest kid david this little dude out here watching the sheep and he says bring him in he brings him in and god says there's my guy there's my dude that's the one And as soon as Samuel anointed him, what happened? It said, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully on David. Now we fast forward time to this battle with the Philistines. And what's happening? These three older, stronger brothers, they joined the army. They're there at the front lines. And when David shows up, the older brother who got rejected first. And by the way, just because he was rejected as king doesn't mean that God rejected him, like doesn't love him. He just went, that's not the guy that I need for king. And look at why. Look at his perspective. Look what's happening. Even Eliab, the bigger older brother, even he looks at Daniel going, or looks at David going, what are you doing here? Like you're not supposed to be here. Even he's there with the army, but not stepping up against Goliath. At the heart of it, he's not believing that God can handle the situation nobody else is, but David, David is. Okay. So let's pick back up on the story as we wrap it. So when David's older brother, Eliab had heard David talking, he was angry. What are you doing here anyway? Aren't you supposed to be with your sheep? I know about your pride and your deceit. Look at, he's accusing David of being prideful and deceitful, but David was sent by his dad. He was like the Uber Eats kid. He's bringing food to his brothers. He was actually there in a goodwill gesture to bring food to his brothers and check in on them to make sure they're okay. And this is how his brother treats him. Because his brother was that. Who had the pride here? Who was the prideful one? Man, it sounds like Eliab was. It says, then uh, he walked over to some others. They gave him uh, and asked them the same thing, received the same answer. Then David's question was reported to King Saul, and the king sent for him. Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Pause. The little kid tells the big king, don't you worry, I'll go fight him. Hold on a second. Here's a little boy telling the powerful king, who's got the best armor, the best sword, and an entire army, hey, don't worry. I got this. Man, do you think David trusted God to carry him through this? Sure sounds like it, doesn't it? But what was Saul's response to David? Don't be ridiculous. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy and he's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. I've been taking care of my father's sheeps and goats, he said. When a lion or bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. Wow. David is fighting lions and bears as a little boy with a club. He says, if the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I've done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God, the Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. But Saul finally consented. Finally, he did. He said, all right, go ahead. And may the Lord be with you. Now, I don't know if Saul believed David could do it or not, but he finally just gave in. It's like, it's almost like he saw like, there's nothing I can do to stop this boy. This boy believes that he can take this giant down. Now it's funny because Saul didn't go, I'll go with you. I'll step up. No, just goes, okay, may God be with you. Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped his sword over it, took a step or two to see what it was like. He had never worn such things before. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them." So David took them off again. He picked up five smooth stones from the stream and put them in a shepherd's bag. Then armed only with his shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley. (laughs) This is such a great story. To fight the Philistine. Now, can I pause on one quick thing before we wrap this up? It says he took his shepherd's staff, right? Five smooth stones, armed only with his shepherd's staff and sling. There is scripture that says, uh, you know, when he said, like, um, Yea, though I walk through the valley of death, I shall fear no evil, right? It says, it, it, it talks about how your your rod and your staff comfort. And here's David when he was a boy going out to face, going, walking into the valley of death, right? In the face of a giant. And what's he got? His rod, his staff, right? That's that's all he needs. See, when we think of the the battles we face, we don't need to always go in there with biggest and best things that the world says are the biggest and best because when we're walking with god we've got everything we need to face the battles in front of us so what happened when david went in well let's see ah, yeah. then armed only with a shepherd's staff and sling he started across the valley to fight the philistine goliath walked out toward david with his shield bearer ahead of him sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy Am I a dog, he roared at David, that you come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. David replied to the Philistine, you come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. Ho, 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 ho. let's look at that again. What did he say? I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, who you have defied. So why was David ultimately going against Goliath? Because Goliath was defying God. It wasn't so much just the armies. Yes, David wanted to protect God's people. Yes, David didn't want to see his brothers killed. But what does he say here? He says, I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel. Whom you have defied. David was saying you're defying God. And that's why I'm stepping up here. Today the Lord will conquer you. And I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I'll give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people. But not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him, reaching into his shepherd's bag, taking out a stone. He hurled his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in, and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. Then David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from his sheath and used it to kill him and cut off his head. Now, pretty gross ending, right? But I want to share this with you right here because this is uh, the word of encouragement I want to leave you with today. it's in verse 45 when David said, You come to me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of the heavens, armies, the God of Israel, who you have defined. And he says, Today the Lord will conquer you. I'll kill you and cut off your head. Check this out. What I love is this. He said, Everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. See, you're fighting battles. You are. Maybe your battle is with self-doubt. Maybe it's with depression. Maybe it's with anxiety. Maybe your battle is with somebody at work who's just demeaning you and tearing you down. Maybe your battle right now is maybe you're, maybe you're in a relationship with someone who's just abusive and pain and causing you pain and hurt. Maybe a friendship that you thought was a friendship is, is not proven to be one. Whatever your battle is, there is the temptation to fight it in your own strength to say, I'm going to handle this. I'm going to go to war with this person. Uh, maybe, maybe you're at the point where you feel like Saul and and you're just like, maybe you feel like the people in Saul's army, you just just want to turn tail and run. Maybe you're just like, I'm not strong enough. I can't do this. I just want to give up. Maybe that's how you feel. Can I encourage you? You were created in the image of God. God loves you. You are his child. You were not created to give up. When you're at your weakest God can fill in the blanks. Jesus said, you're blessed. I love the way the message translates it. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. Because then there's less of you and more of God. See, when we feel empty and we feel weak and we feel like we've got nothing left, if you think of your body like a vessel and you feel like you've poured out everything you know how to pour out and you still aren't getting what you need, You're still not able to come through. You're just feeling empty. Just know now there's room for God to just pour His Holy Spirit in you and power you forward. Look, I don't know what you're facing today, but I do know this. You're strong enough to get through it. If you just invite God to walk with you, if you just trust Him to carry you through, you'll get where you need to go. If it's finances you're worried about, you'll have enough to get through the day. If it's a relationship you're worried about, God will help help you reconcile the ones that need to be reconciled and help you cut off the ones that need to be cut off. But no matter what it is you're facing, you can get through it if you realize you're not going through it alone. Like God did for David on that day against Goliath, God is still rescuing his people and he wants to rescue you. Question is will you trust him to do it? will you let him or will you keep doing what you're doing and getting the results you've been getting? That's it that's something worth wrestling with today isn't it God thank you so much for being the God who rescues his people. God thanks for loving us when we don't feel lovable. Thank you for giving us strength when we feel at our weakest. Thank you for reminding us that when we're at the end of our rope, there's less of us and more of you. We ask for your blessing and your favor and your strength. And we ask it all in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, thanks for tuning in this morning. Look, uh, Monday through Friday, five days a week when I'm home, we do Bible study live somewhere between 7.30 and 8.30. We kick it off. So I hope you join me in the next one. If this was valuable to you, please feel free to share it with someone else. Hey, I want to share something exciting with you guys because I'm super pumped. Uh, There's a big press release coming out about it next week. But um, Dara and I, our new book called For This Reason, uh, How to Live in Ephesians 5 Marriage, is available now on Amazon.com. You can text the word LOVE to one 833 981-0002. 981-0002. one zero 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 two. You'll get a link instantly, automatically sent back to your phone, so that you can go uh, either download the Kindle version or pick up a paperback or hardcover copy. Look, we think that this book is really, truly going to be a blessing and an inspiration to help people in their marriages. Uh, we wrote this book because Dara and I have both been married before, and we've had failed marriages, and uh, and we wanted to center ours uh, on God and build a marriage that's built to last, and we think. We think by the grace of God, we're doing that. And so through this book, we've taken uh, Ephesians, uh, section from Ephesians chapter five, four sections, and we've broken it up. And, um, the two of us wrote it from two different perspectives, from a husband's perspective and a wife's perspective to see how two truly become one, uh, when, when looking at this scripture about marriage and, um. We hope it'll be an encouragement to you. So check it out. We'd love it if you'd check it out. Uh, We're so grateful for the reviews that have come in so far. Text the word love to 1-833-981-0002. It'll automatically reply back and text you a link so you can go check the book out yourself on Amazon. Listen, uh, love you guys. I appreciate you no matter where you're at in your life. You're just one moment away from walking a little closer with Jesus. So can I encourage you, if you don't, if you just don't know who he is, can I encourage you to invite him into your life? Make today that day. You're worth it. God thought you were worth it all. Get to know him. will see you tomorrow. <laughs>